everyone. Welcome to Living the Liminal Podcast. I am Christy Peck, spiritual teacher, intuitive, and author of Coming Home, A Love Story. Wouldn't it be something if you could have it all? An uncensored peace, a true joy, and an all-knowing that there is so much more to life than what our human body can see and do and experience. I invite you to join me here every week as my guests and myself have conversations around living consciously with courage, connection, and choosing to feel good even in the uncharted and unknown moments. I am so thrilled you are here and look forward to sharing this sacred space with you. Everybody, welcome back to Living the Liminal Podcast. I am Christy Peck, and I'm so happy to be back and having this time with you all just talking about whew, what is going on around us. This is my season two. So we finished season one, it was eight weeks long. We're now starting season two, which will be another eight weeks. Um, I have four amazing guests that are coming on this season. I can't wait for you to hear them. Um, I believe that our conversations, while they were recorded back, you know, in March, I mean, I think you're just going to find them magical and beautiful and so much wisdom that each of these guests have to offer us. And I believe that even, even though we had those conversations back in March, there's so much that is still so relevant about what they shared that we can take in our current, what I call pause, uh, because we are definitely in a pause right now between the COVID and, and now between the racial injustice that's going on and, and the fact that we as people are coming together to stand up together and to find our way forward. It's just, it's just gonna be a really great, great season. And I'm so excited. Um, so this is episode nine. Um, it's kind of exciting for me and yet a little bit not exciting. So let me explain. I have been kind of fretting about what am I going to come on and talk about. And the interesting thing is I looked back at my notes the other day because I kind of planned out each season so I could invite the right guests and, and really have some wonderful conversations going on. Uh, because I, I dearly love talking to people and, and learning in that way. And I started thinking, what, what can I possibly say right now? I do believe that this podcast is a platform. While it's new and I'm beginning it, it's still a platform. And I take great honor and, and I have the utmost respect for the, the, the opportunity that this platform offers me. And, and I wanted to be sacred about it. I wanted it to be a sacred space so that we can have really good depth conversations. Um, but I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, okay, like what do I even talk about? How, how do I know what to say? And, and it's really interesting because what, how this always works for me is I never have to know what to say. And I was reminded um, just in sitting and thinking and talking to some friends about how I was, you know, kind of really um, mulling over what would be the topic of conversation to kind of 
do, talk about today. And as I was doing it, I was reminded of what I've always done before. Isn't that funny how when we're always wondering how to move forward, the answers just come because they're already there within us. And, and remember back in season one, in the first talk I gave, I said, I don't do life alone. I don't believe we can. And especially in times like we are in right now, we can't do life alone. We have to create space for, for, for God, for the universe, for love, for, um, for higher consciousness to come in and to show us a better way. So whenever I have been in a situation where I needed to have a better way, I always relied upon that. And I always, that was literally my prayer. Um, I can remember driving to, I used to be a consultant and a mentor for teachers in the world of education and in classrooms specifically surrounding kids with disabilities. So I did a lot of work with inclusive education and inclusivity and, and, and my work always centered around all means all. And we don't differentiate, we don't separate, but all means all. And I can remember this one particular meeting I was attending. I was driving, it was pouring down rain. I, was, I had nervous stomach. Um, and I was mulling over once again, what can I possibly say to this team of teachers and experts and parents and doctors and principals and um, friends of the family um, that could possibly bring this team of people together so that they could really work collectively, collaboratively, and authentically for this particular student to educate her. And I remember driving and just saying, God, I'm giving it to you. Just use me so that I would know the joy of being used by you, so that I would feel you working through me. I have no idea what to say to these people. I do not know how to work this meeting to where there's a positive outcome at the end. I'm scared to death they're all gonna start fighting because that's what they had been doing. And I got to the meeting, I set it all up, I started the meeting, and I just let God work through me. And there were a couple points that I can remember during that meeting that I literally felt this sort of jolt work through me. And at the end, I had the principal who had told me he did not think that this was a good idea to have the meeting to begin with he actually came up to me at the end and said, wow, honey, you can work miracles. And I looked at him and yes, I was standing in a public school and I said, oh, not me, God worked this one. This was not me. I had the mother and the family come up to me and they had also told me this was a bad idea to bring this team together. This team could not work together. There was no way they could get on the same page. She came up to me and hugged me and she said, thank you. I never thought this could happen. And I said, either did I, but God must have. So I do believe that we are in a pause where God can show us the way. The universe can show us a better way. Higher consciousness can show us a better way. Love can lead the way. And it's so interesting because this other story comes to mind as I'm saying all this to you. Um, 
I walked away from a career in my career in education as a teacher and a consultant and a and a trainer and a mentor and and I just had this feeling that that I was being called for something else and I needed to to let go of what I thought I was so that I could figure out who I really was. And what's funny is I'm back to where I started teaching and and educating but just in a different platform. Well, when I walked away I was looking for things to do because I needed to to be a part of something. I needed to be a learner. I needed to to just be around people, right? So I had a friend who offered, um, invited me actually to go to a Bible study. And so I did. I was like, hey, okay, I'm good for this. I'll go to a Bible study. So we're, we're in this Bible study and the leader is talking and we're studying Luke. And I don't particularly recall like, like the exact, you know, verse we were studying, but we were studying Luke. And I remember this one um, phrase came up or, 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 or whatever the, the words were. And I looked at the teacher and I was trying to explain how I felt about it. And I said, well, I am God and you are God and we are God. And this particular Bible study leader looked at me and she got the most stern look on her face. And I mean, I have to tell you, okay, I got a little nervous because, I mean, she sort of rose up in her chair. She got very straight-backed, very intense voice, and she said, you are not God. I am not God. And at that moment, I have to say, I thought, huh, okay. Now, I'm telling this story because it is a great story to tell to show that while we are studying the same content and the same text, we very much did not see that in the same way. We did not feel that text and those words and that language in the same way. We didn't see it. We didn't believe it. We didn't feel it. Didn't so so we could not get to a better. We didn't have a conversation that day. We didn't have where she asked me to elaborate on what I was talking about. And I didn't really ask her to elaborate because she cut it down. She shut it down and she turned to someone else and she said, anyone else have anything else to say? And I knew then that how I felt about that text and how I felt about God in my life was different than that other person in my Bible study. I ended up leaving Bible study because my knew my beliefs were so out there. They were just so out there. And, and I kept running into more and more challenging conversations that never got beyond. This is my opinion. That's your opinion. And that's it. And we never got to a clear understanding so that we could both interchange a role between teacher and student. So so what's my point in telling you this? Beliefs come from experience. Beliefs about relationships, beliefs about activities, beliefs about what people think of themselves, what people think of other things, but all beliefs come from experiences. They shape who we are and they influence what we do. Beliefs are learned. They're learned from our experiences. They're learned from the people in our lives. They're learned from the words that people in our lives have used. 
they're learned from the activities we have taken part in and the language surrounding those activities we have taken part in. They are learned and they can be unlearned. So we are in a time in our life where there are so many beliefs just kind of stirring around out there. Um, I kind of I kind of think maybe it's sort of like a tornado where a tornado whirls in and anything caught in its world just kind of you know swirls around with it and that's what it kind of feels like there's a lot of beliefs out there and i've held my own i i sometimes think way far out there i know i think out of the box a lot but i also want to honor everybody else's beliefs based on where they are and that has been my biggest journey is to honor where people are and and we right now are in this this pause where it's uncertain we don't even know the health of each of us as we move forward because we are in uncertain times with covid and anybody who has any kind of 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 regular illness in their body is at risk we are in unknown times in terms of safety in terms of solidarity in terms of being taken care of in terms of economic status in terms of living arrangements we are in uncharted um, space for moving forward with equality and inclusivity and a more collective vision that includes all people a course in miracles which is a metaphysical text says we are either student or teacher. These are interchangeable life roles, meaning that we at some point can be a teacher as we are willing to share our stories, share our wisdom, share our beliefs, share how we came to understand something. We are also a student. That means we sit back and we listen and we, we extract the wisdom from the other person who can be the teacher for us in those moments it is a wise one in each of us to be able to sit and say i don't know i don't know how i feel about this i don't know enough to even have a substantial thought i don't know that i even know and i don't know that i don't know but i think that we are in this amazing opportunity for each of us in our lives to to awaken to a depth within who we are and to constantly be in that particular teaching and student interchangeable role and those roles those roles have nothing to do with color of skin economic status um, education status where someone lives how someone was brought up it means all all people all of us together collectively can be interchanging with those life roles of student and teacher i believe learning is one of the most incredible gifts we can give ourselves the space to grow the space to become the space to adjust the space to pivot um, years and years ago i had my i really wanted to be a teacher even from the moment i was little i mean i used to create little worksheets and put them on the bed and pretend i was the teacher in my bedroom and i used to create tests 
for imaginary people to take. And if any of my friends came over, I would just beg them to be the students. I really wanted to be a teacher. So when I got my degree, um, when you're a teacher, you have to do a practicum, which is you have a certain amount of time. Like back in my old days, it was like eight weeks or 16 weeks or something like that. And you had to do, you had to go into a classroom with another teacher and you had to work with that teacher and practice being a teacher. So I had two schools. I had a school that was um, very affluent, very um, wealthy, well-to-do. Um, it looked beautiful. Everything was beautiful about it. It ran very smoothly. Um, it was fun. It was bright. It was wonderful. And then I had another student teaching experience that was in an area where families were predominantly of low socioeconomic status. Um, a lot of Section 8 housing, a lot more Black students, a lot more um, students of other cultures. I, it was just a very diverse place for me. And I had to choose which one I really wanted. There were jobs at both. And I went through the application process. And I really felt a calling, I mean, a deep calling to go teach at the school that was in the area where students came from a different kind of economic status. They, it seemed so challenging for me. And yet it also seemed an environment that I could learn, like I could really learn from everything. And it just drew me in the energy that drew me in. I remember talking to the principal on the phone and I was just excited in my voice. I so wanted to teach there. There was something about it that I just felt immense love for everything that it had to offer me. As, as the educator, not what I could offer them, but what this experience could offer me. And um, I remember going into this job so excited. It was fifth grade. Um, this particular school had no school books, no textbooks. And we had to develop lessons on our own. And I had a diverse group of students. And one of the students in particular was um, a white girl and her mother was head of the education department at one of the local colleges in the area. So again, a very fluent family. The mother definitely knew what was going on. The child was brilliant. And here I am a new teacher. So the principal calls me into her office and she says, here's what I want you to do with this child. And I valued what I knew about my students. I knew I was good at that, getting to know my students and getting to know what they needed. And so I kind of said to the principal, well, I'm not sure that I see it that way. I really think that this would be the better alternative here. Long story short, it wasn't well received. And I started getting treated differently. And at the time, there was another new teacher in the building, and she happened to be Black. And we were like so close because we were there late every night. We had meals together. We talked about being first year teachers. We had some of the same kind of concerns and, you know, challenges and, and mistakes and, and funny moments. And, and we were excited and, and, you know, exhausted at the same time. So we just became so close. 
And we started talking about how I was getting treated differently than she was. And yet she was making very same mistakes as I was. And yet I was the one getting called out at the meetings, the uh, staff meetings, or I was the one I got written up for a couple things that I really didn't do, but she said I did, the principal. So anyway, my point here is that it was not good. And the principal at one point called me into her office and she said, you either do this that I'm telling you to do or, and I won't even repeat what she said, but it was not nice. And it rattled me. I had never been spoken to like that before. It shook me up, the fierceness in her voice, and I got scared. So I, why am I telling you this story? Because beliefs come from experience. And I learned in that experience to be quiet and to do what I was told. I learned to not trust people in authority positions, especially people who were different color than me. And it's, it sort of gets me choked up talking about these, this example because it, it was such an influential one for me. It influenced me in the earliest moments of my career. Here's a few years later. Okay, and I was still teaching at that same school. I had moved down to teaching third grade, which I dearly loved. Um, I totally revamped my instructional methods. I dug deep and learned better ways of communicating with my students and their parents, better ways of collaborating with other teachers, better ways of just being a team member myself, because that's how I believed my role was, is to always be constantly learning. And that particular year, uh, we, had another, we had another teacher come on board to teach with us, and she was from another school. And again, me and my good friend, we were just really having a time. I mean, we had been teaching for about three years. We were so excited. We loved everything about what we were doing. We were like, whew, we made it through that first year. This is so good. And one night I was sitting there in my classroom, grading papers, trying to get myself prepped for the next day. And my particular good friend walked in and she was mad and she was hot. And she says to me, I cannot believe you said that. And I, and I just was, I mean, I was flabbergasted. And I looked at her and I said, said what? And she said, what you said in the copy room too, and she mentioned this other teacher who was new to our team and our school, who happened to be black. And I said, I didn't say that. So it was a he said, she said, and I, I very much advocated for, I would never say that about you. I love you, you're my good friend. I would never say any of that. And, and I couldn't even recall what she was even talking about because the incident that she was talking about, I was like, that wasn't me. I was never even involved in that, but okay. So she storms out of my room. We never spoke again. I sobbed like I had never sobbed before. I cried so hard because I loved this person as a best friend. She was my colleague. We had been through so much together as beginning teachers. And I was so brokenhearted by this experience and so in awe of how I had never experienced anything like this before in my life. Beliefs come from experiences and they shape who we are. I learned not to trust people who were different color than me. I learned to be quiet. 
I learned to not share my heart with anyone. I got quiet. I began to eat my meals in my room. I came and went. A couple teachers noticed and they asked me what went on and I couldn't talk about it for the longest time because I was so broken by that moment. It took me a long time to unlearn those beliefs around those experiences. It took me a long time to feel safe in the, in, in the experience and in an environment and in, in the space, the energetic space with another colleague who happened to be of a different color or a different race or different than me. It took a long time. I had to really work through some of those earlier experiences because they broke me and they, sh and they shielded me from growing in some way. They kind of stunted some of that. And, and it's even really hard. Um, it's hard for me to talk about those because they were so hurtful. So why am I sharing them with you now? It is not about black versus white. I don't want you to hear that in these stories. What I want you to hear and to understand and why I think that I'm here to share these stories is that when you don't feel safe, your instinct is to survive. It is our most powerful instinct as a human species. Survival looks all kinds of ways, depending on the depth of the feeling of unsafe, of security, of not having security, of having too much security. The depth of that within your heart and soul is what your survival will look like. There is no right or wrong when it comes to survival. It is a human basic need to survive. For me, my survival was getting quiet and saying nothing. And I learned to do that very well. Getting quiet can also be a way we learn. And what I realized is that while early on getting quiet was just a survival technique, I have grown so much in the 30 something years of being in education that I now can get quiet as a way of growing, it's more growth-minded. So the last couple weeks in this uncharted, unknown, unpredictable time of our lives, the great pause, I have gotten quiet once again, because I know it is a, it is a, it is a technique I can go to that is reliable, it is safe, but it also allows me to expand and to kind of really become a better version of me. So I got quiet. And I am in awe of how I was moved from learned beliefs to an opening of a belief system so rooted already in integrity and understanding and change and compassion to even more integrity, growth, understanding, change, compassion and love. I decided a couple weeks ago when I got quiet with so much going on that I would begin to follow some um, black women of influence that I believed had voices that others that I had, had, had respected and I had been following, they promoted. So I said, I thought to myself, you know what, Christy? Just take a listen. Okay, I am gonna share a couple experiences because I was, I was so wowed. 
I can't even tell you how much I have grown in such a short time from these women. And I look forward to continuing my learning with these women. The first one was I listened to a podcast. Um, it's actually Andrea Miller's podcast called Her Story Speaks Podcast. I would highly recommend it. But she was interviewing this particular day that I just happened to pull up. Um, she was interviewing Marcy Walker, who has um, an, an Instagram account called Black Coffee with White Friends. She does a lot of other things. And if you listen to that podcast, um, you will find she teaches, she has courses online that you can, you can extract and actually take her courses to learn more about Black history and, 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 and just things that you, you, you would never even know. I mean, little simple things. And, and she was sharing some on the podcast interview that I listened to that day. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I've been a teacher for 30 something years and I never even knew this. And, and this is where we have to get quiet and listen. And this is where we have to really be a learner. Even if we don't think we have something to learn, we do. So I was listening to this conversation between them and there were two things that I got out of it. The first that literally brought me to tears because it reminded me of the work that I've done with inclusivity. And that is Marcy shares that we have to see people as humans first. And here's what that means. If we see people as humans first, then we have to honor the human in them, which means honoring their pain, their agony, their shortcomings, their weaknesses, their survival techniques, honoring how they find peace and how they find joy, how they find comfort. We have to honor that. It may not be what we want. It may not be what we like, but we have to honor it. We have to see people as humans. Now, once you see people as humans, you can decide, do you want to hang around them? Okay, don't. That's where it ends. You just don't hang around them. All the other stuff doesn't need to exist. But honoring people as humans, that's where the real love, tough love comes in. Because if we can do that, massive change can take place. The other thing that I learned from Marcy, and I'm going to read it to you because it was so profound in terms of stuff that what she shared and and again i was just like wow um but she shared um this story about you know this rough conversation going on around rough, rough stuff which is what we're all having right and and here's what she shared we have to be willing to live in the tension of that complication and here's what that means if you go back to my story about bible study when my Bible study leader looked at me, when I said, I am God, you are God, and she did not believe that way, that was a complication. That was a difference of opinion. That was a difference of perception. That was a difference of emotion. That was a difference of understanding how God can be in our lives. We have to be okay with the tension of that kind of difference that kind of difference of belief systems based upon experiences. We have to be okay. That is why we run from these conversations. It's not always that we don't wanna be the learner, but it's because we don't wanna be in the tension and that awkward feeling 
that little bit of stress that it induces in us because we think we have to know the answers. But to be in a wonderful space between two people where each person is saying, I don't know, but I'm showing up to know more, to know better, to try better, to just see you, to be here, to honor you, to have integrity, to have compassion for everything. I mean, that's an incredibly magical place to be. So I learned so much. I would highly recommend following Marcy on Instagram, Black Coffee with White Friends. It, it, I mean, she has profound stuff. You will love it. The other person that I followed was a person called Nicole Walters. Um, and someone had just shared her post with me one day and it literally opened me up. And I'm gonna read it to you because it, it blew my mind. But here was her post the day that it just kind of wowed me. Don't let the fear of how people will respond to you keep you from doing your work that matters. It will be imperfect, it will be messy, and you will 100% get criticism. If you aren't being criticized, you aren't doing anything. Don't let this stop you from doing what the work that matters. Whether it's building your business, fighting injustice, starting a new career or relationship, adversity and opposition will come. Remember, the enemy is always trying to distract, deceive, deter, and divide. Do the best you can with what you've got. Do your good work with a clear heart, integrity, and good conscience. Speak with your whole voice and heart. Build with the tools in hand and start with the knowledge you have. It won't be perfect, but starting and doing is the work that matters. Keep going. Holy smokes, even as I'm reading that, my heart is like pumping. I mean, there is so much power and inspiration and motivation and celebration behind those words. She is a voice to be reckoned with. Follow her. I am every day amazed and I learn and I'm inspired by the this, this short snippets and stuff that she shares. I am learning from these women. I am, I am in awe of them. I mean, these are these leaders. These are the, the voices of leadership that we need to be following as women, as men, as an entire system of people. And the last one that I decided to follow is Austin Channing Brown. And she wrote, um, she's the author of the book called I'm Still Here. Um, and it's, it's, um, it's, I'm still here, black dignity in a world made for whiteness. And I mean, she's darling. She is incredibly darling. Now I have to admit, as I'm listening to her story, cause I, I downloaded it so I could listen to it. It kind of started to do what I call trigger me. And if you don't know what the word trigger means, it kind of starts to rile me, get me riled up. Not because her stories were making me angry but because I felt her stories. I felt her stories were the same as my stories. Her experiences were my experiences, even though I'm white and she was black. But the way she wrote them, it is so compelling. I was so drawn into them and her words are just vibrant and, and they have such energy behind them. And she is also a voice of influence. She's brilliant. Um, she has vision and, and, and let me just share, like, here's an example of what she posted one day. 
what if instead of longing for ease, we were made for more? Made to advocate, made to dig in, made to speak out, made for complexity, made for this moment. What if we believed so deeply in our own capacity to rise to this occasion that getting to work wasn't a tiring chore, but a life-giving opportunity to invest in something larger than ourselves? I mean, I don't even know that I could even say anything that would make this any way better than just listening to, the, to her words. So Austin Channing Brown, follow her on Instagram. Nicole Waters, follow her. Marcy Walker, um, Black Coffee with White Friends, follow her. These women, I mean, there are tons more, don't get me wrong, but I'm finding them and I'm learning from them. But these women, go follow. They know the right things to say. They're leading us. They are showing us the way. And they are love in pure form. So why do I share all these stories with you? Because everything is a choice. Learning is a choice. Unlearning is a choice. Letting go is a choice. Holding on is a choice. There's more to life than what you see. This season of Living the Liminal is all about learning, unlearning, awakening, and seeing beyond. And I don't have the answers for where we are in this great big pause we're in. But I know for certain that being a learner is the exact right place for me right now. And I really think for a lot of people, it is the exact right place. There's so much more to life than what we see. We can learn from pain and we can learn from hurt. We can unlearn from pain and we can unlearn from hurt. We can see each other as humans because only then can we rise, move mountains, provide justice, heal, and love each other. Our lives are meant to be lived in the more, more joy, more fun, more love, more peace, more security, more safety. We are really meant to be thriving as a human species, not just surviving. Between COVID and now the racial injustices, we are in a state of a pause. What do we do now? I started thinking about that. How do I kind of close all this up? How do I kind of say, okay, and offer you some sort of insight into what do we do now? And lo and behold, as I'm thinking of it, I was watching a show with my daughter. And the show was 13 Reasons Why. And it's on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, it's pretty graphic. But I was watching it. And we were kind of re-watching season three. Um, as we got prepared for season four. And there's a profound moment. And it's, it's season three is pretty graphic, I will tell you, for, for high schoolers. But she and I were watching it. And there's a profound moment when two characters were sitting in a car. One character is the boy, high school boy, who has done some really bad stuff to women. He's not treated them right. He's raped them. He's hurt them. And um, one particular girl that he did do something to, she actually left tapes. If you don't know, I'm telling you a little bit of the story in case you don't know. And he's sitting in a car with, with a, the friend of the, the young girl who passed, who died. And they're listening to these tapes and they get done. And the, and the boy who has done all this really mean, hateful um, hurt to women says he realizes the damage that he's caused. And he turns to this other kid and he says, what do I do now? It's, this is a profound moment. 
what do I do now? And the kid turns to him and says, you deal with your shit. And he turns back and says, just like that, deal with my shit, that's it. And the kid looks at him and says, that's everything. And that is how I'm going to leave you today with, we all have to deal with our shit. Whatever it is, what we get triggered by, meaning what bothers us, what gets us heated, what makes us angry, what we don't like, what we don't believe in, what we don't agree with, we have to own it. We have to own it wholeheartedly. We have to open ourselves up to change. We have to be quiet and listen. We have to move. We have to allow ourselves to be broken open, to be, to be seen in a different way, to be heard in a different way. We have to invite the uncomfortable conversations. We have to let the pain and the hurt and the sorrow of another person lead us inward to bring forth our own limiting belief systems. We have to agree to unlearn and learn again with hearts wide open. We have to listen to our life, get our shit together and unleash a wildly inspired collective consciousness, a new way where equality and inclusivity is daily. It's the daily way, the only way. I'm gonna leave you with these beautiful and majestic words by Lang Leave. And it's a poem called Her Time. And we could change it to our time, we could change it to we time, it doesn't matter. But I'm gonna read it in terms of her time. She has been feeling it for a while now, that sense of awakening. There is a gentle rage simmering inside of her and it is getting stronger by the day. She will hold it close to her, she will nurture it and let it grow. She won't let anyone take it away from her. It is her rocket fuel. And finally, she is going places. She can feel it down to her very core. This is her time. She will not only climb mountains, she will move them too. Please find black women of influence to listen to. Get quiet and learn. Be a learner right now. We have so much to learn. Take it all in. Be okay with the complicated. Ask the hard questions. Go inward and work on yourself. And I believe together we can let love lead the way. We can find joy in this. We can get to a better place together wholeheartedly all. All means all. I love you. Peace out, my friends. <laughs>